The Grancidillo School of Business and Management at Pepperdine University proudly presents the Dean's Executive Leadership Series. This podcast invites top business practitioners and thought leaders to share their view on the real world of business. Thank you so much, Deb. Very interesting to hear what's going on at HP and all the work that's being done. I've decided we need some of those sensors for our students so we can tell if they're actually paying attention in class or not. <laughs> there you go. So. <laughs> we'll work on that. <laughs> well, you were talking about HP and all that they're doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, obviously, it's been an inherent part of the culture of HP for many, many years from the founders on. And so corporate responsibility has been significant. So it's really been something that's just really evolved as issues around mm -hmm. sustainability have evolved. So I expect that there are some in our audience who are at companies who haven't really paid much attention to this, or it's not sort of an embedded part of their culture at this mm -hmm. point in time. Given what you've seen at HP, do you have any sort of suggestions or advice for folks in those kinds of organizations to say, how do you even begin to build that kind of culture? What are some first steps that can be taken if you're in an organization that hasn't paid that much attention to this uh, through the years? Well, I think, uh, again, some of my comments that I made earlier around the fact that we're really at a point where this is, um, you know, green is kind of the new black, right? I mean, it's very topical and um, in vogue, so to speak, and frankly, take advantage of that um, because I think that can help executives uh, pay a little more attention, also because customers are really requiring it. And I think the two, the two big levers you have are customers requiring it and making it you know, just part of any deal, but also employees. You know, um, companies want satisfied employees, and employees can really have a voice and can say, well, no, we can take this on. We can go do this. And that can, um, but driving change is always a challenge. Mm -hmm. And you have to figure out what fits the personality of your company for how to drive that particular change. We also have a lot of students that have a lot of interest in these kinds of issues, sustainability and such, and partly because of that and, and student interest, we actually started a certificate uh, just this year in social, environmental, and ethical responsibility that students can kind of map across their degree program and their emphasis. But as, you, as a company like HP or other companies that you're familiar with, how do students position themselves with companies as they're looking for job opportunities and such? When that's an area they're really interested in, are companies hiring around that? Or how does that fit in with the other things that you're looking for in terms of skill sets and interests of employees? Well, I think that uh, green will be a part of everything we do. So certainly there are jobs that are very specific to environmental sustainability. For instance, you know, we have a corporate sustainability office that employs people that, and that's what they do. But it's also a part of, like I talked about, every engineer's job is to design for the environment. Um, you know, a part of every marketing person's job is to make sure that we're marketing and messaging the right information on our products, you know, the green parts of our products and services as well as all the other attributes. So um, I think that it, in some cases will be a job, and I think in other cases needs to be woven into kind of the fabric of what we're doing. Because if we're really gonna, you know, fix the challenges that we have, uh, you know, it has to be part of everything we do. It can't be kind of a separate mm -hmm. focus. Sure. I'm gonna open the floor. I wanna give you all an opportunity as well to ask your questions of Deborah. So yes, we'll begin right here. You have a really cool job. <laughs> <laughs> So I've been at HP for 20 <coughs> years, and, um, <laughs> and uh, 
And I've really taken advantage. I think when you go to a large company, a, a multinational company some, that's in lots of different businesses, that it's your responsibility as an employee to really take advantage of that. So I have worked in probably every marketing job description that there is inside of HP, every business, multiple geographies. And so I probably would have had to work for probably at least 10 different companies to get that kind of experience. So, um, and we were talking earlier, it's not really part of a master plan, but I just took jobs that were really interesting to me and that extended my skill set and helped me learn new business models. You know, I mean, working in a hardware product part of the business, very interesting, but completely different than services. And software is yet another set of business models. So just extending your knowledge set to be able to do that is, uh, I think, a really important thing. probably be that there may be an initial cash outlay or you would have to hire an additional person to be sort of that project manager internally. While the benefits financially are long term, maybe it's that short term where, hey, we're going to have to spend a bunch of money in order to kind of make this happen. Is that one of the, is that one of the biggest objections? Well, it's actually one of the perceptions is that to be green, you have to pay more. And, you know, one of the challenges we've given to our engineers and our product and services teams is to be green, should, it shouldn't be a trade-off. You shouldn't have to be green or you know, have the right price. You should be able to do both. And so we've worked really hard to make that not an objection, so that it's, but it is for sure a perception, and that's probably the biggest sure. one, um, that, oh, it's going to take me longer to build a green data center. Well, no, not really. If you do the right design, then it's on the same timeline. And you know, guess what? Those new servers that are much more energy efficient actually are a lot cheaper than the old stuff you're running. Right, so you do have it's a lot of education to help people sure. understand that it's not really a trade-off. Yeah, at least you know with companies that I've worked with, it always seems as though the CFO doesn't want to spend X in th this year and next year and get the long-term benefits in like years three, four, and five because you know they got a budget number to hit this year and it's more of a short-term focus. Well, and you know it's, it's been so tough the past couple of years, and, and people are not interested in anything that has a return after six months. <laughs> it has to have a return <laughs> inside of six months. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's what you need to show. Thanks. Earlier when we were talking, um, you shared a little bit about how you're using your engineers to help you in marketing through blogs mm -hmm. and other things. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you mentioned how the engineers need to learn how to design things. Talk a little bit about how mm -hmm. you're interfacing your design folks and your engineers with the customers to help you with some of these things and to help mm -hmm. the customers understand what's going on. Yeah. No, it's very important for all of our engineers to, you know, spend time with customers and to really get direct feedback directly from the customers on what's working or not working. And what we were talking about was using social media and the fact that, you know, if we're going to participate in a, you know, a blog on storage or on outsourcing, you know, they don't want to hear from the marketing people. I mean, the, the, they want to hear from the, either the folks who are delivering the service or that are in the labs. And so we've actually written into job descriptions. We have certain people who are the experts that are their part of their job is to go out because this is just as important as, you know, going to a face-to-face -face customer meeting. It's just interfacing with customers in, um, you know, uh, electronically, right, um, over the web, rather than being there face to face. And so we do training to say, well, if you're going to, you know, blog or participate in these forums, this is what you do. This is your code of conduct because you're not doing it as Joe, you're doing it as HP. 
come, so here's what you need to do. Um, but engineers, uh, you know, really want to hear from customers. They want to understand what are the problems, and then, gosh, then they'll have all these ideas about how to fix them. And so having those lines of communication is actually totally positive. It's totally, you have to unleash that power to have it work for you. Yes, Miriam. I was wondering about non-engineering employees, what avenues or encouragement do they receive for just being creative and looking for ways to um, do their jobs in a more sustainable fashion? So we have a lot of different employee programs um, where employees can provide suggestions and you know we're always looking for ways to you know, improve processes, right? And so open for those kinds of suggestions. So we have different employee programs that do that. And then there's also a lot of resources um, on the web for employees to understand what HP is doing in sustainability and how they can be a part of that. And then uh, translate that into, you know, what they particularly want to do. Let me ask a, a couple of other things as you all think of other questions that you might have. You talked some about what we can do as individuals, mm -hmm. um, both personally. Um, just in terms of kind of your personal mm -hmm. situation, at what point in working with HP did you sort of begin to get involved in this and begin to think about this seriously, both in what you do personally and then what you do with the company? How did it sort of evolve for you in your uh, affiliation with HP? In, um, in the, working in the areas and oh, that kind of thing, and involvement in the Sure. Okay. Um, so, uh, well, sustainability, uh, you know, I think has been a passion and, you know, Im important. And I think we're lucky to live in California where, um, you know, it's easier to do, you know, things like standard recycling programs. You know, I, go, I grew up in the Midwest and they're not necessarily there yet when I go back to see my parents. Um, so I think, you know, the, our environment makes, makes it easier almost to do some of that. Um, and then, you know, getting involved in the community. I think um, HP actually really encourages that. That's part of that citizenship objective, uh, to really encourage people to give back to the communities in which they live. And so they um, in encourage that. So being a part of the food bank, and I'm also on the board of the resource uh, area for teachers, which helps uh, promote science and math and support science and math teachers in our schools. And so it's, it's encouraged, and, right. and I think it, um, you know, provides Balance. I'm a you know big on balance. I think you know you're not gonna at the end of the your life you're not gonna say well I wish I would have stayed in the office another hour that day. Yeah. You know that's that's not what's gonna be meaningful to you. And so having a, a well balanced and uh, a richer personal life makes you actually a better leader. I was in a meeting uh, last week with the director of the CIO leadership group at IBM, one of your competitors. Mm -hmm. uh, but he was talking about. The challenges that come on the IT side mm -hmm. of really having IT being viewed, and CIOs particularly, as a strategic mm -hmm. partner in the organization and mm -hmm. not just tools that you yes. use. And so it's something that, in his role, he works a lot on. How do you deal with that mm -hmm. at HP? Because, and especially because you're in the enterprise mm -hmm. side of things yeah. where you really have to convince people right. that this is, really needs to be a part of the broader strategy of the organization. Yes. So how do you work with that in organizations where they don't really view it that way? Yeah. And what kind of a, you know, is that a big hill to climb for you in 
many organizations. Well, no, I think that, that you can pretty much divide companies into those who view IT as strategic and the CIO has a seat at the board and those who view IT as a cost. Mm -hmm. and, um, and we do a couple of things to help CIOs in the latter category, well, in both categories, but particularly in the latter category. Um, one is the fact that we have software that provides um, much more granularity and transparency in what the IT costs are. And that's really important so that you know, you're not just getting beat on by the marketing director about how they want IT to be less, but it's like, okay, well, here are the trade-offs. You want these marketing campaigns? This is what it actually costs to run those from an IT perspective. Uh, the same thing for finance and supply chain. Then all of a sudden you're having a business conversation. They're not just saying, you know, reduce, reduce without really understanding the implications. The second thing we do is we, in our services arm, we have a lot of workshops mm -hmm. where we will basically get the executive team together to really talk about what are their business goals so that we can then translate that into what the you know, IT strategy roadmap should be for that. And so facilitating that discussion across all the executive team, not just with IT, but with the leaders of the different business units or functions mm -hmm. um, is a way to start to at least dry up level that conversation to what it should be. Yeah. So there was really big news today about HP. <laughs> I noticed on my iPhone as I was uh, <laughs> yeah. in the office before I came about the big changes in the mm -hmm. board. Mm -hmm. And you've, you know, last few years there's a big change in leadership with the CEO. And obviously when Carly Fiorina left, there was a lot mm -hmm. of big news about that. So you're in a kind of company that mm -hmm. anytime anything happens at that level, it's mm -hmm. really big news everywhere. So in your role from a marketing perspective, how do you sort of manage through those sort of big things like that that, you know, get a lot of news and a lot of press mm -hmm. while you're sort of on the ground, continuing to work with your customers and mm -hmm. trying to make the next sale and, and keep those customers satisfied? Mm -hmm. How do you kind of manage that or, as a company like that that gets mm -hmm. so much attention when mm -hmm. any kind of change like that happens? So um, we work really hard. Being in the enterprise space, we do a lot of face-to-face um, -face sales. So we have a lot of sales reps that call on very large clients. And so part of what we do is really work to arm them. Mm -hmm. So we have a process. So when changes like that are announced, that we're making sure they're reaching out and talking to their customers about it. Um, and either reassuring them or just validating, yep, that's what happened or whatever the specific mm -hmm. could be. And so that's probably the way it affects me the most is mm -hmm. just making sure that we have that smooth kind of set of communication right. challenge, challenges so that, um, you know, I'm not caught flat-footed here not knowing what you're talking about right. or uh, one of our sales reps isn't caught flat-footed not knowing what's right. happening in front of the sure. clients. So. Well, and the news gets out there so quickly that yes. people know almost instantly it's when exactly. anything like that happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So. Do we have other questions from the audience? Yes. A bit of a career uh, type of question. It's my understanding you began your career in engineering. Um, you began your career in engineering. This is a career-related question. And you've really leapfrogged. Was there a turning point in that? Or was it just kind of gradual to get into sales and marketing? So, so my degree is in industrial engineering, okay? Um, but I was hired by HP in the time when they actually thought that you could only understand how to market this stuff when you had an engineering degree. <laughs> so I went into marketing immediately. So I've always been in marketing or sales development. Yeah. And I guess the follow-up question would that be, on a smaller scale, how do you encourage um, financial engineering technology people to think more business development for their companies? 
So I think that you have to look at what the skill sets are of any particular individual and what their interests are, okay? Um, because not everyone has that bent, right? I mean, and, and sometimes we want our engineers just like doing really great engineering, <laughs> okay? Yeah, right. That's just what we want them to do, okay? So I think it depends on developing it. And that's, I think, true at HP, and I think most companies is, you know, taking your career in your own hands and deciding, you know, what are the areas you want to build out? And then finding the right mentors to do that, uh, courses, uh, you know, executive courses like what Pepperdine offers, um, to really build out your portfolio of skills in order to get where you want to go. Um, but I think there's, you know, today there just aren't like you know set career paths. Do this for two years, and we're going to move you here and here. Um, it's it's, and that's a I think a good thing because it means you have more control over what you're going to do, and it's dependent on what you're interested in, and where you're willing to take the risk and learn some new things. Given the fact that this is kind of a, a Pepperdine-sponsored event, we, we have an economic perspective, a demand side and a supply side perspective. Most of the solutions and the focus has been on a demand side and energy efficiency reducing. What about the supply side? What is Hewlett Packard doing to provide, and perhaps it's through the services perspective, uh, different types of energy generation technologies. So what we've uh, been looking at and um, testing are different designs for different kinds of energy and data centers, okay? So, uh, you know, we're not in the energy business, okay, but from the standpoint of what kind of, uh, you know, can we heat a data center with geothermal? Right? Um, you know, what, what would it take? I mean, the, the case study that I pointed out from uh, Gartner around the solar, you know, how can we use more solar in more of our facilities? Um, so we are testing out, but, you know, it, you know, we're also a business and we want to be sustainable, but it does come down to, you know, what are some of the trade-offs and how are we going to do that from a, a financial perspective? So, but yes, we're looking at a lot of those different things, and that sustainability lab that I talked about inside of HP Labs is certainly looking at a wide range of how we harness lots of different kinds of energy. Yes, back here. I think we'll conclude with this question from the audience. Hi. I'm a second year MBA at Pepperdine, and I'm graduating with the SEER certificate that Linda talked about earlier. Um, for my summer fellowship, I worked on an energy efficiency um, plan for a company. And what I saw at the company was there was a real disconnect between the employees and the executives. So I was wondering if you had that same issue, if you have problems with employee engagement or getting buy-in from the executives. Um, so I think we're in a little bit different situation because it's been such a part of our kind of makeup for a while, which I kind of described. Um, but I think oftentimes there is a different perspective on the, you know, from the employees to the executives. And I think there it just, you have to have your data straight. You've got to find a sponsor in the executive ranks who really believes in it and who will help get the message across. So it definitely can still happen. Well, let me conclude with a question, because obviously we have a lot of students in the room and others. If there are folks who are looking to get into companies like HP or that industry generally, what are the best things they can do to prepare themselves to be positioned really well, particularly given what's going on in the economy now, for those kinds of opportunities? Yeah. So, um, 
Well, I think it depends on which kind of opportunity, right? Because right? sure. it's uh, um, there's a lot of, of different opportunities. Yeah, a lot, lots like of different it. opportunities, sure. right? Well, I think you know certainly you know having a degree from you know a great institution like Pepperdine is you know one of the really important check boxes to do. Um, you know, and I mean that sincerely. You know, where you go to school makes makes a big difference. And, and then the experience. Uh, we were talking earlier about you know figuring out how to get a range of experience, um, like what you did working at that company doing the energy efficiency program. Um, you know, working in different industries because that shows when you go into interview, there's a real difference with someone who's had work experience, understands what it's like to work in teams, work in a complex organization, uh, collaborate to get a result, than someone who hasn't. And so I think um, that combination of the right kind of a degree and that experience is really makes all the difference in the world. Great. Well, thank you, Deborah, so much for your time and for sharing what you're doing at HP and just some of your broader perspectives on what's going on with green and sustainability. It's been really insightful for us this evening. So. Well, thank all of you.